gentlemen, <laughs> the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast. Holy shit. That's right, motherfuckers. It's the week one of our waiver wire episodes. We're doing it every goddamn week. And you know, we're here right now to bring you week one waiver wire pickups. And before we dive into all of that good stuff, basically you got me and my homie right now, Big Irby. What's up? We are missing James Jimbo Dreer. He is gone. He's doing business stuff. Uh, hit him up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Let him know he's a piece of shit for not being here. <laughs> so yeah, you got the FF Fathers right now on Twitter at the FF Fathers, bringing you Week One waiver wire pickups. And I could not be more excited because the NFL season is finally here. And it's our first episode of the season for waiver wire pickups. We got some good guys to look at. So should we dive into that right now? And am I missing anything? Oh, just real quick. I just want to say out, you know, it is 9-11 feeling very patriotic today. Obviously, football's been uh, here for the first weekend. But we have to always remember uh, what happened. Shout, huge shout out and thank you to all the service members and first responders out there that, you know, protect us every day. I didn't forget that. <laughs> I know you <laughs> You made that an emphasis, and yes, it is 9-11. So yes, uh, everything you said. But let's get into fantasy football, baby. Yeah, so uh, real quick, that we got to do that, that recap. We just fit, The Monday night game just ended like 10 minutes ago as we started recording here. And uh, damn, what a game, right? Uh, pretty crazy game. I should have fucking bet on the... <laughs> oh, I should have. He was he was looking at the money line like super early in the first quarter for the Jets, and he did not take it. Yeah, the Jets. It was halftime. I was like, "Oh, they're plus six hundred. I should probably do this." That's why we're not a betting podcast. Yeah, honestly, the obviously the big news of the night: Aaron Rodgers goes down with an injury, four plays into his Jets tenure. Um, they're just calling it an ankle injury right now, but there is a lot of speculation out there that it could be Achilles based. Um. It would make sense if you look at the play because you don't see anything specifically twist or turn. And uh, that would be terrible. Obviously, like, the Jets have always been kind of a snake bitten franchise. Whenever you think they're going to be good, shit goes wrong. Um, it's very parallel to what happened with Brett Favre. Uh, when Brett Favre came, went from, the, from Green Bay, retired, unretired to come to the Jets. They start off the season five and three. He was playing really well, and then he got hurt for one of the first times in his career. He couldn't play through the injury, and the season was gone after that. So, hopefully, it's not a huge injury. Um, but there, like I said, there is speculation that it is an Achilles, and in that case, there's a good chance he's gone for the rest of the year. Yep, all the internet sleuths I've seen on the internet, Twitter, Facebook, anything Jets related is hinting at him having a Achilles tear. All we know is that x-rays came back negative, but x-rays are for bone, so we know there's no breaks. And Achilles is a tendon, so there's no, so having an MRI tomorrow, the last time we saw him, besides like kind of lurking in the shadows watching the end of the game, was getting off of a cart with a boot on. Oh, well, Am I dumb, or is you know when someone torn Achilles? When th- this might be a horrible example, but when Kobe broke like tore his Achilles, he, knew. he even said it on the court. He's like, "Yeah, it's gone." They knew it, and in he, that same game, after he walked off from shooting those free throws, <laughs> yeah. they said torn Achilles. Yeah, that. But also, I mean, Kobe's an extreme 
example because he literally walked to the sideline and was like, no, nah, I'll still hit these free throws. Walked back to the, back to the other side of the court, hit the two free throws, and then walked out. Well, yeah, oh boy, did his thing. But at yeah. the same time, what I'm getting at is during that game, you do while know. the game was finished, they already had confirmed that he had yeah. torn his Achilles. So maybe it's not, maybe it's partially torn. Maybe it's just a strain. Because um, the other thing that I know, because I, my first thought was the same thing. Because I want to look at the play, I'm like nothing twisted or turned, like where it'd be like a, a sprain or a broken or broken bone, right? So I immediately went to to Achilles too. But the one thing that I kind of kept going back to is that he never actually reached down to grab that. And every time I've ever seen anybody reach uh, have an Achilles injury, they always go and grab it because you know if it's torn or not because it's just not there anymore. Dude, if anything, he was like grabbing his knee. Yeah, because like he was walking and then just sat decided to sit down and then he kind of just rolled onto his back and grabbed his knees. So maybe. That's a good sign that, like, oh, he already knew the Achilles was still intact. So maybe there's something that way. But, I mean, it's it's too early to tell. We'll, we'll have more information tomorrow when the MRI happens. Dude, maybe I'm a victim of the internet, but I think it's an Achilles injury. And he and might it very well be could fucked. be. But, but, again, maybe it's not a, f- a complete tear. Maybe there's just a strain or, you know, something like that. We'll have to see. Within the next two days, we will know. Early week. Yeah. We'll know what's going on with the Jets. And if Aaron Rodgers is injured... Um, their offense is kind of fucked as far as... Well, I do want to throw this hypothetical out there to you because the Jets did win tonight. The defense played great. They made Josh Allen look not... like Almost like he shouldn't have been in the NFL. He had three picks. They were not good picks. Um, He also had a fumble. He actually fumbled twice on that play. Um, And the defense showed out. The defense had 21 points. For standard fantasy purposes tonight, they had three picks, only 16 points allowed, five sacks, a fourth fumble, fumble recovery, and a touchdown at the end of the game on the punt return. Dude, can I butt on that? Is a oh, walk-off punt We're getting rid of defenses in fantasy leagues. We don't want defenses yeah. in fantasy leagues. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> You dude. also had the Cowboys going for 35 points as a defense. Uh, destroyed the it Giants happens. on Sunday night. Yeah, Keep them in the leagues, I'm telling you. They keep phasing um, them out. Don't do it. But with that being said, Josh Allen did not look good. Um Zach Wilson won the game, though. He didn't play great. But what if? What happens next year? What if Zach Wilson leads this team to the Super Bowl? And I understand Aaron oh, Rodgers has signed God. a multi-year deal. But what if that happens? What if Zach Wilson starts to put together actually a good season? Uh, what if what? What if I actually get my life together? I mean, we're just talking about <laughs> things that like might actually happen. I know. I'm just saying, like, do you think there's a quarterback controversy next year? You think like, no, they they signed Aaron Rodgers for a fucking reason, right? There's no fucking way okay. there's ever a okay. controversy. I figure I want to throw it out there. God, I wish James was here. Oh <laughs> he loses his mind. Is there a controversy? He loses his mind. With Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh, my God. So, in terms of fantasy plays tonight, uh, Zach, Josh Allen looked bad again, uh, like I said. Great sign. Brees Hall looked really good. He popped off a couple of really big runs. Uh, the rest of the game was pretty subdued. He had 10 carries for 127 yards, but he had about 100 yards on only two carries. So that is where most of his points came from. But for the most part, his shiftiness was there. I mean, there was a couple of plays where he, you know, broke a couple of tackles in the middle of the hole. So he looks good and back better than I honestly expected after a pretty serious injury last year with the ACL and a, and a meniscus tear. So... Good ways that then you always obviously had uh, Stephon Diggs just doing what Stephon Diggs does. Um, really, only the only bright spot on the uh, Buffalo offenses tonight. Yeah, probably uh, pretty interesting Monday night game. Uh, as we saw from Week One, really a lot of low scoring games. Don't panic, my friends. 
Yeah, it's week, it's week come. one. And especially in today's age when less and less players are playing in the preseason, uh, at least your starting players, that they're a little slow coming out of the gate. Got to get into football shape, which you can't do unless you play games. Like no matter how hard you train in the offseason, how much how, how hard you work in the in the preseason, the only way to get into football shape is playing actual games. So it's gonna it yeah. usually takes a week or two for that to happen. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, obviously excited for the season. Should be a good one, man. I'll just be honest. Week one of the year, I probably lost seven out of ten of the leagues I'm in. But we got so much a year left to play. None of my guys are injured. We yeah, things change. Things, things change out. quickly. Obviously, you know, uh, you don't panic. Any of your guys, especially if you draft somebody early, don't panic. It's week one, right? No matter who it was, just say the course. Yeah, honestly, my rule of thumb is like three or four weeks, man. You got, you got to see yeah. how this shit really works out. Yes, see how things are playing out, game plan wise, and after three or four weeks, that's when you can start bailing on people. You're like, okay, I correct. Thought, I thought this guy was gonna be it. It's not working out. He's not getting more than twenty. Five worthy pass attempts. He's not getting more than fifteen touches a game, as far as like a skill player. Like for Move instance, on from that shit. Like, like for instance, I know a lot of people were high on Drake London coming into this year, expecting the Falcons to pass more. You, me, and Jim were not of that group. Uh, we, yep. I think, we're all very down on Drake London this year. Um, but he played ninety percent of snaps and they get a single target in this game, or or maybe had one target and no catches. Yeah, but Jim and Kyle Pitts, I think they had two targets. Yeah, it was bad. So, but again, it's still just week one, right? So, like, don't concern, don't freak out yet, because um, they could still end up having very fine seasons. Yep, exactly. So, but with that being said, the guys that did pop off in week one, a lot of times I can show what's going to happen for the rest of the season. For instance, um, many people remember Justin Jefferson in his rookie year uh, was either not drafted or was a very low-end draft pick then ended up still being a number one receiver. It's biting us in our home league. This guy's keeping Justin Jefferson in like yeah. round seven or something like that. I think it's 10, actually. But yeah, yeah. so it's that bad. And that and so like those are the those are the people that those ones you got, if you can jump on them in this week one waiver wire, those are the people that could absolutely make or break your your team and not just because of injuries right like injury wave wire pickups are common throughout the year but we guys that show out week one that aren't rostered yet those are the ones you really need, need to target and we'll obviously be going into quite a few of them now oh yeah we got some good ones for sure so obviously this is the first week welcome motherfuckers the first week of our waiver wire episode pickups we do it every single week Gets uploaded on Tuesday morning, lets you know who you should be picking up on waiver wires, and we're doing start or sits, right? We're going to do a this Thursday night, we're going to do a Thursday night preview for, for tonight, but yes, yeah, so we're going to be focusing more on a, a start-sit scenario going for the rest of the season instead of breaking down every game individually, yeah. just to make it so those, those, game, those episodes aren't three to four hours long like they were the last couple seasons. And honestly, we ain't got the time for that shit anymore. <laughs> but we want to keep and, giving you content. Yeah, but all, it's also, too, I think it's for the viewer's sake, like, how many people are really trying to sit down and listen to that long of an episode, right? So we want to give yeah. you, like, our true like start sit players of the week going forward and not so much of talking about every single fantasy option on every team. Yep. And I, I guess this is the first time we're talking about in the podcast, but essentially we're just letting you know, we're doing waiver wire episodes on Tuesdays and we got one start sit episode for you every week. Yep. 
We used to do, you know, three episodes a week, waiver wires, two start sits. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to narrow it down, give you our for sure guys as far as starter sits. And we're not going to stop with our waiver wires because it's necessary, man. You got to know who to pick up. Sure. So let's jump into it. Let's jump into the waiver wires, man. We got one quarterback we're talking about, which honestly shouldn't even be on this goddamn list because we've been talking about him for years. Jared Goff. You should be picking them up. Yeah. Only rostered in twenty percent of leagues, and that and that's based How, off sleeper. Just so everyone knows, like I know that people on different platforms, this is, we're basing our roster percentage off a of sleeper. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was a top ten quarterback last year. Yep, and, and they added options. Like, why would he not still produce that way? I know week one wasn't great. He had seventeen points, but again, week one, don't panic. I expect expect his totals to go up throughout the season. Week one and half PPR, he had 14 points. Not not the best showing. Half PPR doesn't mean anything for quarterbacks. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. He was projected for 17. He only got 14. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyways, you threw me for a loop there. Sorry. Yeah. Say, yes, and, and, that's but true. even then, he didn't have a he didn't have a terrible game. He doesn't have a lot of touchdowns. Um, he only threw one touchdown, but threw for 250 yards. So like, you add another touchdown or two every week then all of a sudden then you're right into starting cap- uh territory every week with him so literally one more touchdown he scores 18 points a starting capable quarterback points right there right Dude, honestly in my opinion jared goff the uh the new half generation for us fancy wise for as uh kirk cousins that's fair someone you can draft real low who will probably finish top 12 yeah, know, completely fair. And again, if you are a guy like in one of my leagues, I have Aaron Rodgers as my starting quarterback. And so and again, one of those guys that I just decided to draft late, I thought Aaron Rodgers would come in and have a great year. Obviously, potentially a major injury happened. Now I need to find a guy to, to pick up a, for at least a few weeks, if not the entire season. And Jared Goff is the guy I'm immediately targeting. There's other guys out there that are that are also available. Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Brock Purdy, to name a few. But I don't think they have the ceiling that Ger- that Jared Goff does. Yeah, he has good talent around him. Um, honestly, not name wise, but I-, I believe. But an explosive in the- offense, like he- they showed that last year. Yeah, exactly. There's not a bunch of like names you can throw to around him, which we'll get to that in a second. Yep. Uh, but you know the-, the the coaching scheme is great. Yeah, they have a great coach. He's a decent enough quarterback. He's top twelve. And the fact that he's only rostered in 20% of leagues, mm, you're probably going to want to pick him up. I got a couple leagues that I'm going in. I'm in 10 leagues this year. I need a motherfucking quarterback. <laughs> After seeing week one, I'm like, okay, I need somebody else. And Jared Goff is probably available in your league. If you're feeling like me, probably a good spot to go. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, that is our only quarterback um, just because, again, I think he has a much higher ceiling than what his roster percentage is at. So Definitely. So let's dive into running backs then. Start getting into the meat of all this shit. A lot of things happen in week one, man. Uh, It's interesting to see how things are before the first snap of every team's season goes. And after we watch the Titans game, we realize that Tajay Spears has a major involvement in this offense. If we're going off of week one usage. Uh, Initially, Tajay Spears rostered at 0%. Everyone's got faith in Derrick Henry. He's up to 25%, which is probably mostly handcuffs um, right now. But Oh, yeah. People are handcuffed. Also, just real quick, we're jumping into this. Uh, got a news break here. 
the Jets head coach Robert Salas says Aaron Rodgers' injuries is not good, and they are fearing that it is a torn Achilles. See, oh, dude, the internet was telling me. I don't like to believe the internet, but I was seeing a lot of stuff on the internet. Torn Achilles. Aaron Rodgers, after the season, trade Garrett Wilson while you can. Garrett Wilson had a good rookie year, even with Zach Wilson being the starter for most of the season. Most of the season. Multiple quarterbacks. Yeah, but I mean, the the biggest thing they were missing was that he wasn't throwing him touchdown passes. So hopefully, you know, that can get resurrected. He obviously has a true veteran quarterback that can coach him through it. Even if Aaron Rodgers is injured, he's going to be on the sideline and, t- and coaching him how to read defenses better and, and throughout all the off off weeks or yeah. throughout the you know during the weeks during the season. So I do expect Zach Wilson to look better this year if he has to play the whole season than he did last year. And if that's the case, Garrett Wilson is fine to hold on to. Don't freak he, out like he's that. He's fine to hold on to, but with his value at this point, if you can snag somebody who somebody else was drafting at the end of the one, that middle is fair. of the two, that, that, is that was his value during the draft. My worry, though, is that everyone else is thinking the same thing, and so they're going to lowball you, and you're not going to be able to get somebody who's in that same that, that same space. So, Yeah, but we all play a bunch of fantasy leagues, and you might be able to take advantage of somebody. I mean, you know, he was a receiver 19 last year, and that was with subpar quarterback play all year long for the most part. So I'm not going to freak out on Garrett Wilson. Let me throw this one out there real quick. Garrett Wilson for for Devontae Adams. I fucking knew you were going to say that for some reason. I knew you were going to bring up Devontae Adams. Come on, man. Um... Someone with a lot of upside and someone who might not have upside with Devontae Adams just because it's Jimmy G at quarterback. I mean, Devontae still had a decent game. It's not like... like it, it hit a decent game. It was like, like what, 10, 11 points, something like that. Yeah, it was It was in half PPR with just under 10, but he still had nine targets, so... He's still snagging anything that comes in his direction. Exactly. But I'm just saying, because of the drop at quarterback for the Jets, someone who was drafted in the same area as Devontae Adams... Honestly, I think that's just a wash and who you think could still end up having a better year. Devontae Adams at this point. You think so? Okay. With with Aaron Rodgers out, the Jets are fucked. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jets fans. You're fucked. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But all right, let's get back into the waivers. He has no Achilles. Okay, yes. Yeah. But, you know, again, we can talk about that all day long. That's a, that's a very deep topic. Let's go back to Ty J. Spears. Um, as you mentioned... Uh, didn't have the most production in week one, but he did outsnap Derrick Henry. 36 to 30 snaps total. Was on the field for every third down play. And I know Mike Vrabel came out today and said that they wanted, like, no, like Derrick Henry's still a major part of this offense. Um, and they, ex- they expect that to change a little bit. So maybe it's not going to be always so close to a 50 50 split. But in all honesty, if you are a Derrick Henry uh, owner, you have to have Ty J Spears in your bench at the very least as a handcuff because something because he showed out in the preseason. If Derrick Henry goes down with any kind of injury, Ty J Spears is immediately going to come in and be a number one running back for you. So you have to pick him up regardless if you are a Derrick Henry owner. Yep, exactly. The only thing I have to add is that Derrick Henry splitting carries with Ty J Spears, I wouldn't be too scared of it at this point. Yeah, he had less snap percentage, but way more attempts. Um, yeah. You know, 15 attempts on 48% snap percentage, got his yardage. Uh, he had three targets for two catches, 36, or what was it, 56 yards, uh, 
Tyler Spears had a higher snap percentage, but touched the ball way less. Yeah, a he third. Only, he only had three rush rush attempts and four targets, only catching one for one yard. So, yep. again, like I said, the production isn't there, but I think it's just got to be mentioned that if you are a Derrick Henry owner, like you have to get this handcuff because we saw what he did in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, let's move on to another tight end who or right tight end. <laughs> Another running back who the Tyler might enjoy here is Tyler Algier. That's Tyler's Algier, as we all know. That's that's uh, it was my boy last year. I was on him, and he had a thousand yard season. And really, if you jumped on him after listening, then like he served well as a flex position running back. Surprisingly, I thought they were. In, I mean, him and and Tyler and Bijan, Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson both had. Almost identical snap percentages. Um, obviously, the bigger he had, uh, Algier out touched Bajan, and obviously he's not going to score two touchdowns every week like he did this this week. Uh, Bajan had scored a touchdown himself for that, for that matter. But if they could, if they do actually end up continuing this more fifty fifty split, which is a not what I was expecting coming into the year, then Algier's still going to give you flex production on a weekly basis. Yep, and I, I'm surprised to see this from week one, but you're totally right. Uh, Bajan himself, though, did manage to get six targets. Yeah. For six catches and 27 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown run was nasty. Oh, it was a very nasty play. We're talking about eight yards out. He caught it in the flat behind the line of scrimmage. Broke two tackles. Like, I mean, yeah, he looked great. Oh, he had a jump cut and then hit broke two tackles. <laughs> yeah. He broke three tackles on that play. Very nice play on his part. Uh, Bajan was definitely the, you know, the, the, uh, yeah, the boom guy in this offense, but Tyler Algier still getting 15 attempts for 75 yards. Yeah, which we know he's capable of because we talked about him for you know a while now. Receiving I mean, wise, may- pretty maybe average. we get a little bit of um like the old USC days with Reggie Bush and Lendell White, where it's a little thunder and lightning, right? I- I'm surprised he got the two touchdowns. If he didn't get the two touchdowns, we wouldn't be- wouldn't be talking about him. We wouldn't be talking about him, but. He's very relevant, and one thing I will add about this is Cordell Patterson not available for this game. So this this running back room, I love it. We all love Bajon Robinson on this podcast. We want him to do great, but Cordell Patterson did not play this game. So just consider the fact that he was out. So it's another running back that they will throw in the in the mix, and it, it it's hard to predict. We love. We love Bajan, but I mean, even then, great. even then, Cordero. I mean, I feel like at this point he's gonna just get kind of mixed in a little bit and not by a much. Um, and maybe he'll get some some design runs, but I don't think he's gonna really make a dent to either of these guys. However, that works out. There's a good chance that Cordero Patterson comes out and has one or two good games. They could trade him away from a team that actually really needs a running back. That's what we would hope to happen, but. Cordell, he, he could be a, a, a total detriment to this offense, fantasy-wise, for us the rest of the year. If he comes back healthy, we don't know who's going to score a touchdown. I mean, Bajan, obviously the best running back of that game, didn't get the two rushing touchdowns. It was Tyler Rozier. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, it's a guy that you should still pick up regardless because, again, if it stays 50-50, then he's going to give you production. If it ends up leaning more towards Bajan, um then he becomes more of a handcuff if Bajan gets hurt. Um, but, you know, again, it's week one. So, like, these are guys that could end up still completely helping your team all year, but you don't know. There's a little bit of back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about another running back room that's basically, uh, honestly, very, very similar. Uh, the Rams running back room, 
So Kyron Williams only rostered in six six percent of leagues. Um he outsnapped Cam Akers fifty two to twenty six. God damn it. With all my drafts, I fucked that up. Well, but but Akers out touched him significantly, but he, Akers had twenty two touches versus versus uh Williams only fifteen, and that's the confusing part. Because mm-hmm. Williams is the one who scored the two touchdowns, and he was also the much more effective rusher. I mean, Cam Akers had the 22 carries for 29 yards. That's so awful. Still, 22 carries, though. Yeah. But, I mean, if you see, if you're looking at what, if you're looking at the game tape, like, you could see that Kyron Williams was the much more effective runner. And it wasn't even close. Um, Kyron Williams himself... Three and a half yards per carry, you know, fifteen yards, sixty-two yards, fifteen attempts, sixty-two yards, fifty-two yards. But again, like that's three point four. That's three and a half yards a carry versus just over one yard a carry for Cam Akers. And and I know we talked about Cam Akers coming as a rookie last year because he's just a guy. He's kind of just a football player, right? Like we thought. I loved him kind of out of Notre Dame. I love the leadership he get, he brought people. He just runs hard. And when I when I'm looking at them, like Kyron Williams just looks like the better NFL running back because I think Cam Akers honestly might be a little soft. Well, there's a reason he was in the doghouse for the first house, the first half of last year. Um, well, he started off as their starter and was not playing well, and so they ended up cutting his carries by a ton. Then he threw a fit saying, I'll never never play for this, for this team again. I don't trust the coaches, blah, blah, blah. And so that, but that also, I think, plays to him being a little soft. Like, he's too emotional and gets all caught up with the fact that he's not getting playing time. Well, it's like, you got to show that you need, that you should deserve playing time, right? Yeah. Like, just, like, no one cares that you were a high draft pick if you don't produce when you're, once you're on the field. Like, this is a fucking business. And the Rams backfield the last couple of years, I think it goes to show is... Whoever has a hot hand, they're gonna get it. Yeah, and, and and I know, and everyone was high on Cam Akers coming to this end of this year because he ended last year on four straight games of at least ten points. Um, he went sixty five yards, 118, 123, 104. So the last three games, especially over hundred yards a game. I mean, everyone thought that like this was gonna be his backfield, and clearly that's just not quite the case. Now this could change going forward. Um, maybe Kyron Williams was just. I don't think he's probably a better pass protector and the Rams for at least the the first half of the game and part of the third quarter were losing a lot of those games. So they were throwing a bunch. So maybe they, they trust Kyron Williams when it comes to the pass protection over Cam Akers. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this, this plays out. But I think at this point, Kyron Williams needs to be added in, in way more leagues at this point. I mean, 6% rostered is terrible based off of what he showed this week. He'll probably be one of the highest added players this week. I would think I would so. say, yeah, yeah, just because, you know, the Rams, they play the hot hand, and Kyron Williams looks way better at this point. So let's move on to the Ravens' backfield. Unfortunately, R.I. motherfucking P, man. J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Once Dobbins. Once again, right? Honestly, at this point, we, uh, at least me personally, I've held faith in this podcast just for him to come through. Yeah. He's a talent. Like we all, I've said this for, forever. And I was mad that he was holding out this offseason for a little bit because I'm like, dude, you haven't been in the league long enough or been on the field long enough, really, because of the injuries he's, mm-hmm. he's endured to warrant a uh, some kind of, of big, you know, uh, contract. Uh, 
And so the fact that week one he comes out and tears his Achilles, which sucks for him because I mean he came off of a terrible knee injury, and then he finally started to show out at the end of last year, tears the Achilles now, and now we're back into just. Bro, let's be honest. J.K. Dobbins, he's not on our radar anymore. He can't be. It, At this point, he, I mean, next year, he can't be drafted. Yeah, exactly. At this point, God, I, I feel like an asshole saying it, but it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. So with that being said, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, um, same guys we've been honestly been talking about for the last couple of years when J.K. has not been there. Um, neither one of them were great. Um, they basically split carries. Justice Hill scored a touchdown, but he only had nine yards on eight carries. Um, Gus Edwards was a little bit better at getting like 32 yards on eight carries. Um, but I mean, neither one of them really gives you a whole lot of, uh, anything to like be inspired about. And then they also have Melvin Gordon who chose to stay on the Ravens practice squad rather than signing with other teams after the preseason. Cause he could have and made more money, but he decided he wanted to stick with Ravens. Apparently he liked what's going on there. What does he know? But with that being said, Melvin Gordon is now being activated from the practice squad, so he's going to get some carries here, too. So I think at this point, everyone's going to be talking about picking up Justice Hill or Gus Edwards or even Melvin Gordon. At this point, I'm not touching any of them. Oh, yeah. Total committee. Um, God, it just... Cause, and the Ravens showed last year, like, they'll go off... Again, they'll go off the hot hand, and you can never predict who that's going to be because it's so up and down with these guys. So I don't want to even attempt to try to put them in my starting lineup and i'm not gonna and if that's the case if i don't if it's not a guy that I even can consider throwing to my starting lineup then why am i gonna just have him on the on the bench right just real quick which one out of the three would you bet on i'm going with gus edwards i would go gus edwards as well okay if you had to if you're struggling at running back if, yeah gus if you edwards. have to that's that's guy but at the same time i would go i would rather have Tyler Algier or Kyron Williams um, mm-hmm. above them. And even the guy we're going to talk about next, I think, is going to be a better option, even though he's behind an absolute stud of a running back. Uh, this one I find real interesting. Let's just dive into it. Yeah. Josh Kelly from the Chargers. Barely rostered, which honestly to me is crazy. Everyone these days likes to have cuff running backs. Josh Kelly is a great cuff running back. We know he's the obvious number two behind Austin Eckler, and what ended up happening? Austin Eckler got injured. Kind of weird, though. It's like it's a small injury because he got hurt, came back into the game later, and then went back. I think was kind of then he became more of a 50 50 split. Uh, but Kelly did out snap him 44 to 41 snaps total, including 15 to 5 in the fourth quarter. And on the final drive, Eckler didn't even see the field. And so that's a little concerning. Um, he's dealing with I don't I haven't seen what the the actual injury is, um, but I believe it's an ankle injury, something like that. You'll you'll find it right now. But the the fact that Josh Kelly, first of all, it's crazy to me. Four percent rostered. Are we not rostering the number one? obvious running back behind one of the best running backs in the league yeah i mean it feels like and i know it's it's tough like having a handcuff on your bench just in case your star running back gets hurt but i mean if you are going to take a a running back in the first five picks like austin eckler goes like kirsch mccaffrey goes i feel like you need to have that backup guy just in case you can go josh kelly in the later rounds oh josh kelly's barely obviously barely even drafted um, and he showed out this week. I mean, 
he had 16 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown. He played he played great. Uh, he's not really much of a pass catcher. He only had one target. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Eckler misses time at all, which it doesn't seem like he's going to, but if he's hampered, then I think they're you know will after having Josh Kelly show out a little bit, they'd be okay keeping Austin Eckler's snaps down a little bit just to make sure he's healthy for the long run of the season and not for right now. It's going to be week two, you know? Definitely a good ad. If he's available in your league, you got to go for him. Let's dive into the receivers. This player I really want to talk about. We were talking about this before the podcast. Someone that we both really like. I'm glad he's a part of this because he definitely should be. If anything, he's the main focus uh, as far as like somebody you should try to add this mm-hmm. uh, this waiver wire week for week two, baby. Oh, we're back in it. This should be the, I'm going to say it out right now, this should be the number one waiver ad of the season. Or of this week, I'm sorry. Of this week, and honestly, it might be of this season. We'll see what happens with Cooper Cup. Yes. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to that too. So let's just throw it out there. It's Puka and Nakua. Los Angeles Rams. He is a fifth round draft pick out of BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, no one knew what was going to happen with the Rams receiver room after Cooper Cup went, went out. Everyone was expecting Van Jefferson to step up, and he didn't. He actually had one major opportunity in the game against the Seahawks. It was a walk-in touchdown that he no one was around him, just dropped the ball. And from that point on, Van Jefferson is not there. But Puka Nakua clearly has the trust of Matthew Stafford. Um, obviously, if you guys listen for us for a while, you know I'm a Seahawks fan, so I watched this entire game. And I was telling Trey before the before the podcast, you could literally see Puka grow on the field from drive to drive. Early in the game, they hit him with a quick slant, just get him kind of up and going. And you saw a couple of moments where like, he didn't read the zones very well. He didn't throttle down to find the open hole in the zone. He kind of would just blow through it. And then you saw literally two drives later him do the exact opposite, where he did the exact right thing he needed to do, where he found the opening in the zone, throttled down, and just got himself open for Matthew Stafford to hit him with an easy you know, hitch route. And so those are just things that like it's crazy how quickly he's learning. He had 10 catches for 119 yards. It's the first 100-yard debut of any receiver since Jamar Chase. We all know how his rookie year ended out. So I'm not saying Puka is going to be Jamar Chase. Um, the, the talent levels are different there, but just is going to show you that he's going to be a fantastic ad for the whole season because even when Cooper Cup comes comes back and is the true number one receiver, Puka is going to probably just slide down to the number two receiver because I think he's already mm-hmm. elevated himself over Van Jefferson. And crazy how one week can change everything. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Tutu Atwell then, another Rams receiver. Yep. Rostered a little bit more than Puka. Obviously, he has a little bit more of a name to himself. Even if you've been playing fantasy football, Tutu Atwell. You know, he came in second year man out of Louisville. He had 119 yards receiving. Obviously, one of the smaller guys in the receiving room. He's I mean, he's listed at 169 pounds. That means he's probably more like 150 or 155. Okay, so we got Muggsy Bogues out here <laughs> playing fucking wide receiver. This guy's fucking 5'2", 130. Yep. <laughs> he's, he's, he's out small. here. He's, he's catching small. passes. But he got he got his once Cooper Cup went out, and that, yep. that's really all we're talking about in these last two picks. Once Cooper Cup goes out, where are the you know where the receptions going to? Where are the yards going to? Puka, I agree with you. 
that's the guy who I'm looking at. But Juju Atwell, got to look at him. Yeah. And also, I think, like I said, Puka's going to be the number two guy even when Cooper comes back. Comes back. Tutu Atwell might be the number three guy. I don't know if he's a complete element of himself over Van, over Van Jefferson yet. Um, and the other thing, because he is so small, he has to get schemed into routes to, to get himself open. And Sean McVay has done a, did a great job. I mean, he killed the Seahawks with him. Um, they kept him. They always were putting him in motion to stack with another receiver, so that way it's more of a, a read option type route on where they're going to go. It created... Uh, picks on the de- on the defensive backs where he could get easy open looks because of it um just natural picks do not like they were they were picks that like you know should have been called pass interference anything like that they were just natural picks where the guys would run into each other because of how well they were running their routes so maybe he's he's a solid third option once cooper cup comes back but at the very least for the next th- minimum three weeks because that's how long cooper cups at the very minimum is still out with a hamstring injury going on to ir for at least the next three weeks, he's gonna give you he's gonna give you numbers. Juju Atwell, yeah, Puka's I think is Puka's giving you numbers the rest of the year. That's why I think he's my number one waiver wire ad of this of this week. Because even when mm-hmm. Cooper comes back, Puka goes to the number two spot. I think he's already clear that's where he's gonna belong, and he'll produce every week for you. Two um, two, I'm a little more unsure of just because very few offenses can you know uphold three good receivers. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially that offense this year. I don't see it happening. I mean, they're all talking about Matthew Stafford's had more fun this offseason than he has in years. Um, last year was a real grind for him. He had multiple injuries, um, including a neck one, which we all know can be obviously very, very, very serious. But they said that he came back like he was a fucking kid again. So, uh, so Matthew Stafford's out here fucking all the girls in L.A., apparently. Uh, He's having fun. Probably not, because he has seven kids with one wife, so. Yeah, trust me. He's like, or maybe that's Philip Rivers, but he has a lot of kids too. I know Matthew Stafford has a ton of kids. Uh, these white quarterbacks in the Los Angeles area, they have a lot of kids. Um, they're fucking a lot. Trust me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's talk about the uh, next wide receiver on our list: Jacoby Myers from the Raiders. Nice. I'm glad they. I'm glad he made the list. Rostered in forty percent of the leagues right now. Um. Mm. So he took a nasty hit, ended up in, in concussion protocol. Probably going to miss this week, but goddamn. After watching that game, especially myself as a Raiders fan, I realized how heavily they valued Jacoby Myers. Mm-hmm. A lot of targets. They threw him the ball a shit ton. 10 targets, 9 receptions, 81 yards, 2 touchdowns. He was the main focus of their offense. I thought Devontae Adams was going to be. I mean, again, Devontae still had nine wrong. targets himself, so it's not like they was way off, um, but Jacoby, obviously, he's not going to get as much attention as Devontae is, so maybe that's... And, and, oh, yeah. And I think that's been the thing. Jacoby Myers has shown flash in the past, in the last couple of years when he was in New England, where he had to be the number one receiver, and all the attention goes to him, uh, you know, didn't work out as well. But now, I think he's like the type of guy that's the perfect number two receiver, very much like Brandon Cooks is, you know... When he has another guy, guy on the other side of him, he's uh that can take some of the attention away from him. He doesn't have to worry about getting double team. Mm-hmm. Jacoby Myers is going to show out, and, and that's kind of what like what I'm getting at. Someone who might have been probably undrafted. I mean, yeah, forty percent uh, roster is low. Uh, might have been undrafted in your leagues. Someone who's going to be wide receiver two on a team that's going to throw the ball a decent amount, but not much. 
um, very heavily targeted and on the same page as a quarterback that he played with on his previous team with the Patriots. No, not true. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was gone two years before Myers was even drafted. Not true. So I'm not here telling <laughs> lies. But um, I, but I, I mean, you understand. I mean, they're they're but they're running the same scheme, right? Jacoby Myers has familiarity with with Josh McDaniel's scheme. And yeah. so obviously they they both have that in common. So there's a a big a big connection that way. They just kind of know where what they're going to be looking at. And obviously Devontae's still trying to figure out how to play with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, obviously the biggest question is, you know, how quickly does Garoppolo get hurt and they bring in Aiden O'Connell? But that's a different story for down the road. Oh god, I hope it doesn't happen. But yeah, for the sake of this podcast, we'll keep it going. Let's talk about Kendrick Bourne on the New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Ex Patriot to the to the current Patriot. <clears throat> We've been talking about the Patriots receivers for a couple of years. Who's gonna be that guy, right? We got guys that we feel good about, but at the same time, you you just can't really settle on them. Kendrick Bourne. He had eleven targets, seven catches, sixty four yards, and two touchdowns. Two tutters. Also, two we tutters. have to we have to throw about eleven targets though. Honestly, yeah. is what I really want to point out. Exactly, eleven targets. But we also have to shout out because he is Eastern Washington zone. Eastern Washington zone, baby, and we're in the inland Pacific yeah. Northwest. I mean, he went. I mean, he's been in the league for now for seven or eight years, and we've talked about him before. Like, I think there was a point either last year or the year before where he had to put a few games together, which were really strong games as well. Uh, um, he's had moments. Yeah, he's had his moments. So, and obviously going into this season. Juju is is there as the new free agent signing. They brought back Devontae Parker. So it seemed like he would be lower in the list, but he clearly has Mac Jones' trust to get 11 targets, by far leading the team. That that has to mean something, because when it comes to the Patriots offense, we don't know goddamn shit. Does yeah. anybody, honestly, like, who's going to be the fantasy guy who's going to kill it for him this year? Who Who's going to produce for him? Yeah. We cannot predict it. But Kendrick Bourne, in a good spot. For sure, and it should it should be noted too the Patriots being bringing back Bill O'Brien to be their offensive coordinator, who we know, as terrible as a GM he was, he made some really stupid decisions when he was the head coach slash the slash the GM of the Texans. But the, even when he's the Texans, even on their teams that didn't look there, they were good. They were competitive as, as all hell. He knows how to coach an offense. So um, I mean, Deshaun Watson was an MVP candidate because of Bill O'Brien. Oh, you give it all to Bill O'Brien? I mean, not all of it, no. But I mean, oh god! I mean, it takes. It doesn't just take a singular player to become MVP. They need a. They need a counterpart to get him to that stage. And most time, it is a coach to make sure that they're putting him in the right position. Right, right. I just want to talk shit about Bill Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I mean, and that's fair. It's warranted. He's made. He made. But again, most of the things that people laughed at him for and made fun of him for were because he was making terrible uh, decisions as a general manager. But when it came to playing on Sundays, the team usually produced. Okay, so Kendrick Bourne looking pretty good. Yeah, I, I I mean, honestly, I would love. I, I would add Kendrick Bourne in every league. I mean, he might not give you this kind of production every week, especially two touchdowns. Um, be just because this offense could still be a little up and down, but it kind of does. It just feels like he has Mac Jones's attention. Is going to be the number one guy there this year. I mean, having him as your flex backup, you're feeling good, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right, and that's that's kind of where I feel like where he's. And it could be one of those right guys too. Now. You pick up right now, and maybe you don't necessarily put him into your starting lineup in the next two or two to three weeks. No, you sit on it. Yeah, you sit on it for a little bit, but 
if over the next couple of games he continues to produce good numbers, you're gonna have you're gonna have to put him in your lineup because he's gonna end up just producing. And that's one of those guys. If you get a guy that you know you can throw into your flex, that's actually giving you like receiver two numbers. Those are league winners. Those are league winning players. The only thing holding me back is 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 the Patriots. Yeah, I've relied on those kind of guys, and it, it's it's held me back. A little bit. I mean, obviously, but I mean, there's also evidence that like when they have that guy throughout the years, even with with Bill Belichick being there, Randy Moss uh, to Wes Welker to Julian Edelman, those are guys that do give you production week in and week out. So maybe Kendrick Bourne is that next guy. Mm. Oh, big names are throwing out there, but goddamn, they need somebody to make it happen. Kendrick Bourne, I am in the gray area with you. I agree with you. I think I'd add him and hold him on, on my on my bench for at least the next oh, three yeah. weeks just to see how things play out. Because if he starts, if he can, again, if he shows us up again and again over the next couple of weeks, you're going to have to put him in your lineup. Yep, exactly. So I'm with you on that one. So let's talk about our last receiver then. Romeo Dobbs, baby. Green Bay Packers. We've been talking about him for a couple of years now. Most of it goes to Jimbo, James Dreer, who is not here. So he can just fuck off wherever the fuck he's fucking off at this <laughs> current moment in time. But so yeah, Romeo Dobbs rostering fifty three percent of the leagues. The secret is out, I think, because of the fact he's rostered in most leagues. Uh he was interested in coming into week one, but still able to get four catches and two touchdowns in less than fifty percent of snaps. So I, I believe uh I don't know the stat line, I believe it was like uh four Four targets, two touchdowns, 39 yards, something like that. Five catches, four, four, 39, two, yeah. Um, so obviously not a ton of yards, but again, and I, that was one of the reasons why like, I actually didn't want to put on the list, because unlike Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers, who had a bunch of targets, Dobbs did not. And so I, was, I didn't even want to list him, but I was like, you know what? He came in with an injury, and doing that kind of production on half the offensive snaps, yes. that's what makes you think makes you think that he can still be be that guy. Uh, obviously, Christian Watson was out in this game, and that's going to make a difference once he's back and healthy. Um, well, the most amount of targets I believe on the Packers was five targets, and he had four. He had he no he had five targets himself. Okay, so yeah, and he capitalized the most on those five targets. They 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 spread them out like pretty decently. Absolutely. So. I mean, and Dobbs came in with more hype last year out of training camp than Christian Watson. Excuse me, than Christian Watson did. It wasn't until second half of the season that Watson decided that him and Aaron Rodgers had a crazy connection. Um, and it is also should be noted that Dobbs did miss four games in the middle of the season, so that didn't help his development any anyway. Um, but Dobbs, I remember having. A a lot more hype coming out of training camp last year than Christian Watson. Dobbs was the one making all the crazy plays in training camp. So I mean, Dobbs could absolutely end up being that guy. And if Christian Watson comes back and can pick up where he kind of left off, now you all of a sudden you're talking about two receivers in Green Bay that probably no one really thought you would be talking about putting in your lineup every week, but they absolutely could be be what's happening. Especially with Jordan Love being the new quarterback there, who wasn't great, but he was solid. The only quarterback in week one to throw three touchdowns, Jordan Love. That's not true. Yeah. Tua and Herbert both did that. Uh, That's not what I've seen. What are you talking about? To throw three touchdowns, I'm telling you. Two or three. Okay, two or three. Okay. 
Nah, I'm wrong. And going along with 466 yards. Trust me, I know Tua did his thing. Uh, I guess Justin Herbert only had one for how for how many points he scored. That's kind of crazy, but okay. Tua also scored three, so maybe one of only a couple quarterbacks to throw three touchdowns. Maybe one of two, whatever. So, but um, but yeah. All right, so I think that's our waiver wire ads for the week, then, right? Yeah, tight um, ends. Not much going on with tight ends. No, we uh, gotta wait, man. We dude, tight ends. There were three tight ends in all of week one to score double digit points. Three. See, we gotta wait. Trust me. Trust and me. I know Travis my... Kelsey was Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews was out, so there's you know, throw that in there. Right. A little asterisk. Yeah. Um, but still that's not good. Honestly, the major waiver wire ad you could throw in the tight end position was Hunter Henry. The only reason we didn't include him because he's sixty five percent rostered in in sleeper app. Dude, we just gotta wait three or four weeks for tight ends to settle yeah. out. No, Hunter Henry was also the only Hunter Henry was the only tight end of week one to have at least 50 yards and a touchdown. Ah, dude, I'm telling you, tight end, we got to wait. We got to see. We'll see snap percentage. We'll see all the good shit, and we will know who, who we should be starting. Trust me, and I will lead you in the right direction. <laughs> we'll get there, and we'll get to that in the start set of episodes, apparently. Um, so before we uh, sign off here, we should go in where you got a Thursday night preview. Um, just because we're not going to be able to get another episode out for our start sets before the Thursday night game happens. Uh, so on Thursday night, we are looking at the Eagles versus the Vikings. Uh, neither team played excellent in week one. Actually, the Vikings played like shit and got beat by the Buccan- uh, by the Baker Mayfield-led Buccaneers. The Eagles needed a lot of defensive work to plot a win up in New England. So with all that being said, how do we see this week? Uh, specifically, what well, we should say, does Jalen Hurts bounce back versus a pretty atrocious week one for him? And what do you do with the Eagles' backfield? The Eagles' backfield? That that should be your <laughs> that should be your answer right there. So I mean, honestly, Jalen Hurts. I, I got Jalen Hurts every week. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, he you you draft him in the second or third round this year. Uh, one poor week is not going to be what his whole season is like so uh he'll be fine the eagles backfield is is interesting kenneth gainwell did lead the backfield uh he had the most touches most yards and really you didn't see much you saw almost nothing from deandre swift and rashad rashad penny also did and rashad penny didn't play so there's obviously there's that um but yeah i mean are we already determining that this is kenneth gainwell's backfield DeAndre Swift had one carry for three yards, two targets for one reception. To Gainwell's, I think, what, 14 carries? Nope. This is one of those backfields that I am not wanting to be a part of. I mean, Gainwell had 14 carries for 54 yards, caught all four of his targets for another 20. So, obviously, not a mm-hmm. huge fancy day, um, just under 10 points here. But, um, but I mean, in terms of snap percentage, it was 62% of snaps for Gainwell versus only 29 for DeAndre Swift. It worked out for him in the right way. This backfield all season is going to be an entire clusterfuck. Good luck choosing who's going to be the guy. Okay. And, you know, and that's probably how it's going to be. It's kind of the way the Eagles backfield has gone for years now, um, regardless of what I say about what I said about Miles Sanders for all those years, who had a decent showing in his first game in Carolina this week, just by the way. <laughs> just by the way. <laughs> so, little, some, some. little FYI, because. He's my he's my dude. 
Um, on the Minnesota side of things, I mean, Justin Jefferson, even though they lost, still had a great game. 12 targets, 150 yards, uh, 9 of them catches. He didn't score a touchdown, but that's he still gave you almost 20 points on with no touchdowns. That's freaking insane, honestly. Um, Alexander Madison, not a great showing. 11 carries for 34 yards, 3 catches for another 10 yards. Uh, he gave you 12 points total. Not, not great. Not what I think a lot of people were expecting. Um, I mean, I was. It, it was a weird game. I think he'll get way more touches in a lot of games. I don't know, man. I uh, I said this all offseason. You uh, you and Jim were a lot higher than than I was on Madison. I I just Madison is great as a number two guy because he doesn't have to come in and do too much. And I but I don't see enough dynamics from him in terms of him being a star running back he um he's not the shiftiest guy he's he's he runs a little upright um you know uh i who was that raiders running back i compared to him to a couple weeks a couple weeks ago ravens running back the raiders running back the one who always stood who's the one who always ran upright Jeremy Fadden? nope After oh that. i don't know latavius murray yeah, Lata- I, he reminds me a ton of Latavius Murray in terms of his running style. Yeah, like he's a bigger guy, and if he lowered his pad level, he would get a lot more yards. And they just have this high running style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I and I just don't see him as being the most dynamic back. And so I don't expect him to have a huge year. Will he be? He'll just out of sole production in terms of like how many carries he get. He'll he'll give you RB two numbers. Probably thinks me right towards the end of that. But I mean, I just don't love him a lot. Ah, but he's still running back one. Yeah, but he's. I think he's a running back one that's only giving you running back two numbers. Now, granted, thank God, uh, you're you were most likely drafting as your RB two anyway, so you're okay with that. But I just some people were really high on him. I just didn't understand why. D- just because of, like the Dalvin Cook numbers, I would say. Yeah, <clears throat> I, again, but Dalvin Cook has shown that he should be a number one guy in the league. He had four straight seasons with 1,000 yards. Like, he's a dynamic runner. I just don't see that with, with Alexander Madison. They still let him go. Well, yeah, because they don't want to pay him. That's not the same thing. Talent is not doesn't equal money, right, in the NFL, especially with running backs. We saw that all offseason. So, I mean, that's the only reason why they didn't want to, want to pay him. Um, but, yeah, I'm just not high on Madison this year. So I could I could end up being wrong on that, but so far week one is only solidifying that for me. Uh, one other guy we should talk about for Minnesota would be uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Um, not the Ooh. greatest showing. He only had thirty five yards, but he still got nine targets. <clears throat> is it about waiver wire wise? No, no, no. Just in, we're talking about the preview. We're talking about the Thursday night preview, homie. Oh yeah, the game that's okay. happening in a couple of days. Yeah. Um. So anybody who's freaking about because you've probably dropped Hawkinson in like the fifth round. You know, everybody's freaking out that way. Don't don't panic yet. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, don't panic on a lot of these guys not producing huge numbers week one. It happens. I like the fact that he still got a ton of targets. Nine targets, caught eight of them for 35 yards. So they were obviously shorter targets. But that's only going to, de- to develop into longer plays for him, so I'm not concerned. Uh, Jordan Addison also showed out in his rookie debut. He had a touchdown in 66 did. yards. So things are still going to go really well for this Vikings offense. Mm-hmm. Um, don't. Can't really say why you lost to the Bucks, but uh, this Vikings offense, in terms of the people you drafted fantasy wise, outside of Alex- Alexander Madison, for myself at least, um, you're going to be fine. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. On pretty much all of that. <clears throat> Tight ends, we won't touch on it. 
It's Unless you hard. have somebody you want to throw out there. I mean, Hunter Henry is like the only guy. Um, just because I'm a, I'm high on golf and the Lions offense, I think you can still throw out there Sam Laporta, uh, rookie. Uh, yeah. Um, who had an, a decent opening week. Um, not not crazy, but you can see he's clearly involved in the game plan. So I like that one as another pickup. It's just another guy that, again, just as a pickup, as a flyer, if you need to, if you really punt it on tight end. But at this point in the season, even you punt it on tight end and got a late round draft pick, maybe like a Dalton Kikade or Chiggy, or you maybe even Sam Laporte if you draft him super late. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to go away from those guys yet. It's been one week, so I'm not going to freak out right now. Yeah. We'll have to wait for the, the season to progress, see uh, tight end targets in the red zone, all, all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, uh, I think we pretty much touched on everything as far as what we're trying to talk about with the week one waiver wire pickups. Our first of the year for 2023, baby. It's good to be here. Anything right. else we want to touch on? Hey, end of the week. Um, we're going to wait for Jim, Jim to get back before we do our next episode. So our uh, start sit episode will come out Friday night. And you can listen to it Saturday before you have to officially set your entire lineup for, for Sunday. So look out for that. Yes, sir. So catch us on Twitter at the FF Fathers on the the x the, the x apparently i'm out of the loop it's called the <laughs> x catch us on the x at the ff fathers uh thanks for listening make sure you like and subscribe give us five stars if you're fucking with what we're saying and good luck to you in your fantasy weekend bye